0: All right, I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. <laughs> Wait, does that mean I'm going to end up with a poopy pee-pee?
1: Uh, not if I clean dry. <laughs> not if you don't go too deep.
0: <laughs> Welcome to Nine Cents, people. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm, I am is your host, Adam A. P. A. Gamble, being joined by uh, the one, the only, the Aden Arden. How are you, my man? I'm doing good.
1: I'm here in Detroit. I, it's freezing. <laughs> <laughs> That's, okay. Is there snow over in Detroit? Well, it hasn't snowed in a while, but the snow that came during the last blizzard just isn't going away. There's just some layers of ice on everything i came home and went fucking ice skating down my parents driveway
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's been a fucked up year for weather man
1: yeah that's why i was shocked you said you were barbecuing
0: oh my god it was it was like 55 all day today there is not a speck of snow on the ground fuck you it is insane i went bike riding with the kids um, I mean, we were playing in a park, swinging in a swing, no jacket. It was, it's insane to think it's February, and this is, it is happening. It's crazy. The, the day I
1: left New York, it was like that, and then I get off the train in Ohio, and I'm like, I left beautiful weather. It finally hits New York, beautiful weather, and I leave to come to this. <laughs> Great. I missed Darren's show. I was so pissed.
0: So crazy. Just getting like sneak peeks of like little comments on social networking sites, man. It sounds like it was something special.
1: Yeah, I talked to him today, and I'm, he was like, "Dude, you should have been there. It was nuts. There was a line out the door." And I'm like, "Fuck, man!" And I saw the <laughs> makeup, and he told me all the stuff he was gonna do during the show, and I'm like, sp- uh, spit blood at people. I was so pissed.
0: God damn! I'm like bleed cool. on me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, it is February 23rd and we have a wonderful show for you. So we're going to start with The Devil's Advocate and we're going to talk a little bit about Peter H. Gilmore's Iron Youth essay, which appeared in the Satanic Scriptures. Uh, so, you know, look forward to that. And The Infernal Informant, What the Arrest of El Chapo Means for Mexico. And American Flags, Not American? Question mark? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we have an a of Neuroticism, of course, final day i'm really really stoked that you still you know you, you were you were a, a huge part of the saint valentine's massacre special but you were good enough to still come out with a traditional military neuroticism. thank you very much for that and this is going to be actually episode nine what mm-hmm. do we have here we're going to talk
1: about adultery Ooh, I, oh, know I, know.
0: Of, I mean i know nothing about this of course nothing <laughs> nothing <laughs> no one honey knows. seriously i don't know shit about this seriously of course not. No one does. I don't know really anything about it either. <laughs> but, but I'm I, glad that we're going to talk about it so that you inform me about it, because I, I don't even know what the fuck it means I, at all. <laughs> I had to do adultery being in my parents' house.
1: They're in the, they're in the next room. This is going to be hysterical.
0: <laughs> what? All right. Well, that's going to be badass. Well, before we jump in, as per usual, a couple things I want to touch on. So I, I want to say happy birthday to my daughter. Happy birthday, baby. I love you very much. Oh. She just turned five. And we went to this, uh, well, we went to a skating rink and sort of did the whole birthday thing as we do normally. Um, and if you've never been at a skating rink with a five-year-old who doesn't really know how to skate very well, but wants, and it's it's crazy packed full of people, you know, it's still winter here, even though it's not really winter, and so people don't really do anything outside, they just go to these sort of, you know, centers to do things, these activity, you know, buildings. Well, this is one of them, where it was just packed full of birthdays, and we were trying to, you know, maneuver the craziness of uh, all of the other people, and then, obviously, you know, trying to have fun skating, and then there's this gigantic, like, monstrous bouncy house space that they were having fun on, too, but... For me, I'm like I'm I'm a dude. <laughs> I'm a man. I don't get the girly girly things that much. Like I don't I I tolerate them when in the courting phase of women, but I don't really dig them and I don't really understand them. And my daughter is the most girly girly girl of I've ever met in my fucking life. I mean, it's insane. If she's not in heels and a dress, she does not feel good about herself. If she's not spending 10 minutes, and she's five. She's not spending 10 minutes in front of the mirror, brushing and putting her hair up. She doesn't feel like she's good. And this is like, I'm just seeing down the road. Like I, I will have to kill people to keep them away from this girl. Yeah. Start like, polishing
1: your shotgun.
0: <laughs> it's insane. I don't, I don't know how to prep myself. For it, And I wouldn't even feel it wouldn't be such a bad thing if she was a tomboy, but she's like not. So I I have to sort of prep myself and I don't know what the fuck to do. But like, you know, just going back to the birthday party, it's her and her, you know, super close neighborhood friend running around talking about boys and princesses and <laughs> skating around with a bunch of other little retarded children. And I'm just like pulling my hair out. It's, it's weird. You notice at these places the kids are sort of at, at the skating rink space doing their thing. The parents are sort of sitting back. And you can you can tell the happy parent family groups, the happy relationships versus not so happy because the dudes are checking out, like in my case, they were checking out my wife and the girls were checking me out. And, and you're just like, oh, wow, this is, like, I, I could totally get laid here <laughs> if I wanted to get laid today, if I wasn't worried about paying attention to my children. <laughs> and I didn't love my wife. I could get laid at this kid's fucking. That's a weird thing to say in and of itself, <laughs> out of well, context.
1: Yeah, I love, I love the priorities there. If I wasn't so busy watching my kids, and I love my wife,
0: because <laughs> that's the, yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just uh, tossing a softball for your segment. Is all I'm doing. <laughs> Some softball. <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna be soft very long. uh' getting sick, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then uh, I, I just want to give a shout out to uh, Storm of Art on You Studios. He reached out to me to do this sort of online branding segment. Um, it's like this Magna Chamber of Commerce, you know, local city event. So I'm going to be doing like, this big speech about, you know, my industry there, which is a little bit unnerving, but it's kind of exciting. And, it, you know, I really appreciate him, uh, you know, sort of queuing me up for that versus just not doing it or going to someone else that was really cool and so it's weird because i don't i don't do trade shows at all and i don't do speeches at all but i run this podcast which essentially is just an hour-long speech i guess
1: yeah it's odd you're so charismatic You think you'd be i almost said
0: orally gifted (laughs) (laughs) i'll ask your wife (laughs) We'll have to talk about the wife to see if, if that's true. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I'm so I'm trying to make these things interesting, not only for other people, but primarily for myself because this is stuff that I already know. And I'm essentially talking to people that know nothing about nothing, trying to explain the complexities of my industry. Yeah. So, you know, obviously I'm going to try to frame it so that I can get a little business out of it. But I want to also make it interesting and fun. And so it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I don't know. I'll give you guys a report on, on how it turns out. I just want to say thank you to Aaron on the air uh, for that opportunity. Um, I hear the and horn. then, uh, you know, there's another thing I was thinking about uh, as far as nine cents is concerned. I'm, I'm having less and less time available to do this podcast. And so, you know, I, I not aside sort of apart from the traditional podcast part of this, I also, you know, re-release all of the interviews individually, uh, monthly. So I'm still in the first year of interviews releasing them but you know at the beginning of every month I release a new one out of the context of the show itself I don't I don't know if I'm gonna be doing that anymore I, I, it's just getting to be where the time of setting that up and sort of recording the intro and outro for that's becoming a little bit more than I have available and it's a bit of a chore so I may just end up linking those to the guest uh, the guest pages of every year and linking it to like the name of the guest that's that's being featured and so you may just see them there uh if it gets too busy i may not even do that and you may just have to sit through the fucking show to hear the interview <laughs> you know I, I just i've been doing this for so long that you know i've, I've been putting out these interviews it just takes too much time essentially Did and i'm, I'm running short of it what's that i said you spoiled the audience yeah, yeah. I, well okay and here's the other thing I dig you guys listening. Like I, I genuinely do. I get some really amazing feedback from you guys and correspondence. And I, I have some shit in the works right now from an audience member that I'm crazy excited about, but I can't say anything until it's a little bit more solidified. Jeez. So the interaction with you guys is is fantastic, but it's sapping me dry. You know, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like having sex over and over and over again in one day. You at some point you're just like. Rather than bagok, if you yeah. know what I mean.
1: Hold on
0: a minute. Ooh. <laughs> 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 <Mwah>. <laughs> nice. Thanks.
1: I thought I had a little support. Apparently not. I'm not a jockstrap.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of jockstraps, get you know the voices in 9 cents at 10R10SU. Den Den Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super excited for this episode. I have people... I have listeners telling me, let me know when it's Aden's turn so that I can ask these questions. Oh, sure. So I, I'm very excited for this. Uh, and you and I had talked earlier today, well, typed, to be fair, <laughs> earlier today about setting up a time. So do you want to you bust it out for people when this is going to happen?
1: Yeah, we agreed on what? March 9th, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time.
0: This is happening, people. March 9th, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Get to know the voices of Nine Cents, a Dan Arden live video episode. Mm. It does not get more real than that. And I have a surprise. <laughs> With surprises in the store. Oh my gosh, I may have to whip out a nipple. <laughs> oh, don't do that, because
1: then this will turn into a porno, and I just don't I don't have time for that. I mean, I can make time for it if you really time. want, but you
0: know. <laughs> nice. I'm looking forward to this. I think this is going to be badass. We we don't get a lot of FaceTime, you and I, and so this is going to be a lot of fun. Oh, I yeah. hope those of you listening shoot me your questions, info 9 com or send them directly to Aden at Milton Eroticism on Facebook page, or I don't know, do you have an email that people can shoot stuff to you?
1: Yeah, you know what? I've, I've been... I keep fucking forgetting to set up an actual militant eroticism on Facebook, but just um, adenardent at gmail.com. Um, right. So just my name at gmail.com. Cool. And I'm always on that email,
0: so. So that's, that's definitely a good way to do it. Um, anything. We can't guarantee we'll answer all of your questions or any of your questions, but we will try. We have a time limit on all these episodes, um, but... Yeah, man, this is your this is your opportunity to ask him all those questions. It's weird because your dick sizes come up in someone else's video. Yeah, <laughs> Darren told me about that. <laughs> Super strange people. You know what? Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> they well, if know. they're clever enough to fit, well, you don't really have to be clever. Hell, if you're stupid and hot, I'll still let you see it. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, I I can't guarantee that you'll be able to whip it out on this because obviously it's YouTube and it's, you know. (laughs) And it's so small I can't whip a thing. (laughs) Whip my hair back and forth, whip my cock back and forth. Yeah, we can tell you have kids. (laughs) (laughs) I've actually just been watching a lot of uh, Fallon lately for no reason at all. All right, anyway, so it's coming out, everyone, March 9th. Uh, check social networking pages I'll be posting the event page there so you can uh, stay up to date uh, and that's essentially where I'm gonna be putting the link for the live show so I hope you have an opportunity to tune in but if you don't I will be putting all of these episodes together uh, late after they're all complete um, in a, a you know just sort of a video series that you guys can watch at your pleasure so hope you can tune in live if not you'll still be able to check it out uh, how about we how about we dive in the show man you ready? Yeah, sure. In nomine de Nostris Satanus, Luciferi Celsi. In the name of Satan, the ruler of the earth, the king, though I am an active member, I do not speak for the Church of Satan. It's the 25th year of the existence of the Church of Satan. We Satanists are continually accused by the media and hysterical Christian fanatics of child recruitment. They tell grim tales of slavering Satanists lurking about playgrounds and schoolyards in search of apple-cheeked innocents who are to be kidnapped and then brainwashed into becoming servants of Satan. These feeble folk simply can't catch on to the fact that we find them, as well as the rotten fruit of their loins, to be unredeemably mediocre and not even worth pondering, let alone inviting into the Church of Satan. Such fantasies must stem from wishful thinking. These drones dearly hope that they will be considered important enough to get our attention. To say uh, to such, I say, dream on. They also neglect our policy that only adults may join. The one exception to the rule is made for mature young adults whose parents are members in good standing. So, I'm not going to go into that exception note there, but this is something that i had uh, oh and first and foremost this is from the satanic scriptures magus p.h gilmore wrote this essay definitely check it out if you have not yet purchased a copy for yourself and it was just translated into spanish for those of you who speak espanol uh, enjoy it look it up okay so this essay iron youth is essentially about how the church of satan addresses the concept of children Um, And and sort of the satanic panic era fear that we were indoctrinating children. So one of my earliest, um, and I'm going to ask you again here in just a second, one of my earliest exposures to the idea of Satanism was a sort of um, fear-based video that was on TV about a grandmother indoctrinating her child. Uh, or her her step, fuck, I'm sorry, her grandchild into Satanism, and the parents found out and they alerted the cops and everything. So it was like, you know, these grandparents were trying to get these grandchildren into Satanism and killing cats and shit like that. And so, you know, as a very, very young child, that's how I was first introduced. How were you first introduced uh, to Satanism? Did you ever get the hype like that?
1: Oh, no. No, I didn't know any of that ever existed um, until I... Yeah, until I started reading about it, but um and then you know, coming across the satanic panic and reading, but no, I came across everything because I just liked um witchcraft and pagan books and just one day I'm like, Hey, I don't own this one, that and studying philosophy I, I heard about LeVay when I got to a certain point in egoism and materialism and all that jazz. So yeah, I avoided all that stuff. And even even if I did, I probably would have had the same reaction to you. Uh, well, at least what I'm getting from you is really, that's so cool. <laughs> Mine is the killing
0: part. I'm like, oh, yeah. why didn't
1: my grandparents tell me about this?
0: <laughs> well, it was always it was the imagery that always captured my attention. Uh, it, you know, the, the the sigil of Baphomet is so powerful an image that just looking at it, it evokes emotion. It evokes. It, a little bit of just raw fear of, of not understanding it as a small child. But also this aura of secrecy. Like there is something that they know that we don't know. You know, people who who share this as a little child. That's that's how I saw it. And so I was, I was super excited when I had heard about it. Though, you know, obviously the exposure was bullshit through the satanic panic. Um, this essay speaks directly to the idea of uh, the absurdity of the indoctrination of youth and the reality of how satanists treat children and how they address the uh, how they breach that subject of of if you're a parent and a satanist how do you how do you if you do at all introduce satanism to them and this is something i have spoken to on the show in the past but in the context of this art, uh, essay i i haven't really covered it in this way so i'm going to i'm going to touch on it again First, Aden, let me ask you, is this ever something that you will ever consider in your life, having children? Well, I, I
1: don't want children, but if I did, I'd probably go about it the same way some of my friends have, which is the books are there when I think you are mature enough. So for uh, my friend, she let her daughter read it around 13 or 14. Um, and she's incredibly like at 14, you thought she was 17. Um hmm. <laughs> which I guess isn't all that mature, but it's a lot more mature than 14. So yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, you know, they're like, you can read this when we let you and then do what you want. Um, so there was, and if you have any questions, you can talk to me, but for now, read it on your own time. And that, and that was it. And they refused to talk about it to their kids until they got older. So it wasn't so much. Um, let me explain it to you as it's when you're curious and when you have questions
0: I will answer them. But until then, do what you want. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty par for the course, I, I think, um, for for the majority of Satanists. I mean, when you're, you know, there's this, this phrase called first phase Satanists, second phase Satanists that was sort of, you know, batted around years ago. <laughs> uh, it's that idea of when you're first introduced into Satanism, you're excited because you're finally connecting with something that you've never connected with before, and so you want to share it. You want to sort of champion it. You want it. You want to get it out there. Um, that it, it's called first phase because you get past that. As a Satanist, you're more focused. You know the point of Satanism is developing yourself, not sharing Satanism. Um, But it's natural when you're first introduced and you first are exposed to it that you're excited, you connect with something. Finally, something finally resonates with you, and you want to share it. We don't encourage this, but it is a natural occurrence amongst uh, early on Satanists. Um, And so, when you're in that first tier phase, you certainly think. If you have children or if you ever think you'll have children, oh, I want to share this with them. I'm going to teach them. I'm going to raise them this way. And they're going to hate Christianity. And, you know, you go through this mental preparation of, I'm going to train my children. And it's funny because contrasting that with the reality of, of Satanists who have children and they don't, <laughs> we don't indoctrinate. We we don't proselytize. We, it's not, we just want healthy powerful individuals, we don't necessarily want to convert at all our children into Satanism. That, right. That's really not the point. No. And, and it's it's a wonderful contrast to other religions. So were you raised in a religious family?
1: Not particularly. My parents were always just kind of, there's a God, there's a devil, there's a heaven, there's a hell. Don't bother with the details because that's where it gets bloody. Um, <laughs> It's
0: actually a really good way to do it.
1: Yeah, even now, like they're they're just they don't they don't care too much. Um, even when I first started dabbling in witchcraft, they were worried at first. But there was a Wiccan who lived up the street and kind of tried to take me under her wing a little bit. But white magic was just so boring, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it calmed my parents down. Um, but no, I wasn't really indoctrinated. I mean, there's parts of my family that are extremely religious. Like yesterday, I can't touch two of my cousins because. They're very religious women. I'm not her husband or her son, so I can't touch her,
0: which is really weird. Not like a hug or anything.
1: No, I can't. I can't. And I keep forgetting. So (laughs) I go up to give her a hug, and I'm like, oh, shit. I'm so sorry. (laughs) There's the awkward (laughs) moment.
0: Oh, uh, nope.
1: It's it's weird (laughs) to talk to someone and not touch them. But anyway... um, no, I wasn't indoctrinated into anything, but it, it seems like satanic philosophy applied to parenting, if you could, is just raise your child to be an exceptional adult. You know, yeah. Develop their interests and person, be better than you, which you know, I hear from a lot of parents, I want my kids to be better than me.
0: Absolutely. I, I mean, I would say that that's, a, that's an an old American ideal, but I think it's just a human ideal where we, we want to provide for our children a better life than we felt like we had. Oh, Absolutely. I mean, it's just a natural thing that you want to do if you do end up having children. You want to make sure that they they have every opportunity that you had and more. Um, And that's really what this essay speaks to, Iron Youth, is that uh, Magus Gilmore speaks to uh, those Satanists that he's had personal experience with that have children and how they treat those children. Um, Now, this was written at sort of the you know, to today's date, almost the halfway point, it was like 25 years turning into the 26th year of the church of Satan's existence. And so it was sort of the turning point of the first generation of Satanists that were being raised. And it's interesting because there's this, I don't know, there's, I I don't even know if it's a fear or if it's a concern, but it's certainly on the, on the forefront of your mind as a parent, will my child be a Satanist? And I think that that's a dangerous, dangerous thought to have because you shouldn't be focusing, and this is just based on my experience here, you shouldn't be focusing on what your child ends up being, you should be developing them into a healthy, powerful individual, and let them sort of find things on their own, and not just Satanism, if they ever have any interest, but also their profession, their their interests, the more that you shove on to children or, or others in general, the less likely they are to shine to it. They have to show an innate interest in themselves uh, and then they'll sort of double down and follow suit with that. And you, You're sort of just there to encourage that. So, for example, uh, taking it out of the context of Satanism really quick, my son showed an interest in guitar And so I went out of my way to find him a really fantastic uh, instructor and we're in the middle of lessons. And now he's like, I fucking hate this. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm like, well, you're going to do it for X amount more time. And if at the end of that time, you still don't want to do it, then we'll find something else. But we've been, you know, as, as a parent, I've had him in like six or seven different sort of extracurricular activities to see which one he resonates with (laughs) and nothing yet. And so it's, It's always tough, but when it comes to Satanism, you know, they know I do this podcast. They hear me when Mm -hmm. I shout Hail Satan at the end. They see my uh, sort of artifacts as they were, you know, uh, sigil of Baphomet, my statues, my records, my uh, sort of like the bell and the sword and, you know, all my little ritual artifacts and stuff. They see that stuff, but they don't see it as, oh, that's Satanic stuff. They just see it as, well, that's my dad's stuff. And (laughs) like, I've even heard my daughter you know playing around saying by all the powers of hell that she must have heard from me doing a ritual at some point in the middle of the night that's adorable Like, so funny but like out of completely out of context you know
1: i have the best image of this five-year-old in like high heels three sizes too big and a pink princess <laughs> gown holding this sword that's way too big for her and falling over, trying to summon <laughs> the powers of darkness. That is fucking adorable. is <laughs> funny.
0: Like I don't, I don't hide what I do and who I am from my kids. Obviously, I mean it's it's who I am. They can't, you know, they it's it's obvious. It's it's on my face what I what I think. Um, but I I don't try to share it either. So if. You know, if my son at ever any time ever shows any interest and says, hey, I'm wondering, what is this about? I will be more than happy to tell him about it. But it is not even in my radar to explain it outside of his interest. And I think that's the way we have to take things, whether it's Satanism or whether it's what you think that they should do or you want them to do. Because what we tend to do as parents is sort of project our lost goals or lost dreams onto them like I really at one point wanted to be a tattoo artist. And it just never really came to fruition. Like I didn't really chase it that, that hardly. Uh, and so I've always like fantasized this. Oh, if my son ended up being one, I would be so exciting. But you just, you have to realize that those are your dreams. Those are your wishes. They are not theirs. And they are not extensions of you. They're individuals. And so following to, to this uh, essay's point here, do not indoctrinate your children. That is not what Satanists do. We, we have the information available if interest is shown. We are honest and open with our children so that they have a healthy, uh, a healthy vision of what life really is. They understand the fundamentals that you have to kind of make your own way. And hopefully they end up being powerful, meaningful individuals in the society that they're in. But guess what? Because you don't control them, because you cannot define their lives for them, you may not have a Satanist as a child. You may not have a productive member of society. You may end up having a fucking drug addict. And there's not a goddamn thing you can do about it. You have to realize as a parent that you try your best to mold them and to shape them. But it is not up to you the choices that they make for themselves. And you have to understand that because they are capable, hopefully because of the way you raise them, of making their own choices. Sometimes they're going to fail, and it's going to hurt, and it's going to suck. But that's the reality of having kids. Yeah, it hurts. It, it almost caters on hypocrisy when
1: a satanic parent attempts to control and dictate their kid. It's like, we remember that the individual choice reigns yes. supreme
0: here. It's weird because, we, you know, we... Satanists have such a healthy sense of ego and self that it's hard not to expect everyone, you know, solipsism. We expect everyone, especially our own children, to have that same sense of, of, of awareness about yourself. No, no fucking way a kid is going to have that. You know, mm-hmm. you develop that throughout your whole life. Your child hasn't had the opportunity to do that yet. And so you can't force that onto them. And it, just like you said, man, it is absolute hypocrisy to try to expect that you will teach your child the ways of Satanism. That is not what Satanism is about, man. That's not it. So, I, you know, as a parent, I am completely happy if my children don't end up being Satanists. I just want them to be healthy, productive human beings. Like, that is success to me. You know, they're going to make bad choices, and they're going to have to live with them, but at least I can say I, I told them to fucking flush the toilet and brush their teeth. What else can I do? <laughs> I'm really reducing em. it there. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Smack them. That's another, oh, I I really want to have this conversation in the future too. Uh, but we corporal don't have time tonight about corporal punishment with children. I I've talked about it in the past in the podcast, but I think it'd be really interesting to see your take on it.
1: Oh yeah. We should, we should do that sometime. That that's actually something I love to talk about. Beating children. Love to talk
0: about. <laughs> Alright, well, we're gonna put a fucking pin in that bad boy. Uh, let's move on to the infernal informant. Alright. Here we go. Hey, what's going on fast? Uh, infernal informant. Get out of the Alright, so this is the worldtime.com, uh, just, you know, essentially time world section. What the arrest of El Chapo means for Mexico. It's so funny. This drives me fucking, this is a really long article, so I'm going to try to get through it quickly, but I have to say it drives me fucking mad when people try to add an accent to <laughs> to <laughs> words that are, you know, connected obviously with another language. They like try to add that in like douchebags that walk into Starbucks and try to, I would like event. Like they try to add like an accent to it. I would like a grande. Oh, yeah. Stop rolling your fucking R douchebag. We're Bad American. In this yeah. country, we butcher words,
1: and that's the American way. <laughs> it always sounds be, like you, you have like Don't a, be pretentious. It's a grande. Say it like a fucking Yankee. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Especially like the the pretentious way that you're ordering it. I would like a half-calf, no foam. You know, you're going vanilla shot, extra espresso, you're going through this crazy list of specifics of this drink, and then you try to pull it back to be like, like fucking true to the language that it originated in. You pretentious I mean, motherfucker! Do you think that Latin fucking deep jungle motherfuckers are drinking the shit that you just ordered? No, they're lucky to have fucking grainy ass coffee. So shut the fuck up with your pretentious asshole. Fuck. I thought I saw you in Starbucks today. You heard my order. <laughs> Okay. Oh, dude, I used to work at a fucking Barnes Noble Starbucks going to uh, college. And you would, it's just insane, the people that came through there. Oh, I know. I hear
1: horror stories from some of my friends.
0: <laughs> All right, so let me. <laughs> All right, on to other deviate. drugs. Let's talk <laughs> about drugs. Okay. Let's, let's talk about drugs. <laughs> I've done a few drugs in my time. My, uh, my youth All right. <laughs> probably come up here. All right, so cheers, tears, and fears. I hate, this is the other thing I hate. When motherfuckers try to make things kitschy and cute. Like you can... They're ripping off a Tears for
1: Fears song.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like the adult version of Dr. Seuss. Oh, it drives me nuts. <laughs> all right, cheers, tears, and fears. Follow the arrest of John Kingpin. Hua HuaQuin Guzman. That almost, the way I said it, almost sounds uh, that- Mexican at all. Come on, say like an American. It's Joaquin
1: Chapo Guzman.
0: Joaquin yeah. Guzman.
1: That's right. Guzman. Oh my God! I work with this sexy muscle builder guy named. He has the
0: same last name. I'm gonna ask him. <laughs> He's related. <laughs> oh, that's so sexy. He's El Chapo's <laughs> grandson. We are never gonna get to this article. No. Right. That's right. <laughs> Even his Mexican drug kingpin, uh, Joaquin. I keep thinking of Joaquin Phoenix. Jacqueline (laughs) Chapo Guzman had a $5 million road on his head. His name could be heard in dozens of so-called drug ballads played from Guatemala in the U.S. border. And especially in his home state of Sinaloa over a polka-like beat and earthy accordion melody the verses celebrate how the short man from a ramshackle village in the mountains escaped a high security prison and beat back the mexican army and u.s drug enforcement administration to make his billions smuggling cocaine and marijuana to americans quote many ask how it's possible that a mexican has made fun of the gringos who are meant to be so clever? It says in one song written by Los Nuevos Rebeldez, and that is funny because it, is that is that like the is that the opinion of Americans like there's like just white people, not Americans, but gringos. They're supposed to be clever. I always thought we were. I mean, hell, we dominated the planet. What they do? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a really good point. I was taking a more cynical view of it, but like you know. <laughs> That's my racism for the day. Nice. (laughs) Nice. Uh, You're an (laughs) anti-Mexicanite. Oh, well. (laughs) What the fuck that would mean? Yeah, he's like, and? (laughs) However, Guzman's 13-year run of outwitting authorities crashed to an end Saturday. Mexican authorities announced they had nabbed Guzman at the Sinaloan Seaside Resort at Maztalan before parading the haggard looking gangster in front of reporters in Mexico City. Their detention was celebrated by Mexican and US officials as a mighty blow against the drug cartels. Those infighting and wars with the army and police had left more than seventy thousand dead in Mexico since oh six. This is the most significant arrest of a drug trafficker in decades, Mike Virgil. Vigil, the former head of international operations for the DEA told time Chapo Guzman was definitely the biggest trafficker in Latin America. And in my opinion, the world, however, on the streets, many American, I'm sorry, Mexican cities. Is there a difference that have been racked <laughs> by violence? Uh, not in L.A. Uh, or Texas <laughs> or Arizona or, or Utah, actually. Um, OK, here, I, I'm going to fucking break from this. We just got my son's class photo. <laughs> I'm out like, of the 25 kids five of them are white I'm gonna and be, the rest are all latin
1: i'm gonna be a big liberal uh liberal i've had two bourbons um a big whiny liberal for a second why does that matter adam they're people
0: <laughs> they are people and it doesn't matter it's just it. it's something that I never, like I was always raised on the other side of the tracks where I was, I hate to say I was a privileged white kid and I was in a white dominant school. I always had white friends. I mean, when I was really young and my, before my mom remarried, we were super crazy poor and I, I played with, you know, whoever else was in the ghetto that we were living at the time. But as soon as, like middle middle school and above, when she remarried and, and things started going well for them, it all was segregation, man. And so it's, it's I never thought about it ever until I noticed in that school picture that holy fuck, my kid is a minority. And I always get a bunch of shit from my friends that I don't, I'm not as as strict with my son as other people, but... He has to fucking stand up for himself. He has to be aggressive because if he's not, he's as with any minority, they get targeted over anyone else. Oh and yeah. So you know he has to be able to go toes if it comes to it. So you have to be fucking. I, I don't know where the fuck this is going, but I'm just saying it was a weird thing that I caught, and we were talking about fucking Mexico here, so that's. I'm yeah, talking about
1: <laughs> the caramel skin, and I saw way too many mocha flesh in my son's photo.
0: God damn it, this is Utah, <laughs> not Starbucks. <laughs> this is not Guatemala, what the fuck? Uh, no, really though, it's funny, he has this uh, Latin girlfriend right now. Ooh. He, <laughs> he better <laughs> so not cheat on her, he won't have a dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, at, at his age, I'm not too concerned about it, uh-huh. but, uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know, the old cheating, losing his dick thing. But it's just funny, like, having the conversation with his dad, I'm sorry, with his girlfriend's dad, like, oh, they're just going skating, it's not, you know, like, okay, what time are they going to be home, like, I understand, my son is not going to fuck your daughter, okay, you know, and if he does, I've talked to him about it, he will rap that rascal. (laughs) Now, wait
1: a minute, home is your son?
0: I don't. I don't want to give too many, too much information on the air. But he's right. young, way too young for sexual activity. But okay, now that we're on the subject, this is totally hasn't. We're never gonna to get to this article. So I'm. I'm just. We'll get back to maybe the concepts of it in a second. I ran across my son's uh, uh, iPad the other day, and then he has an iPhone as well. And I was looking at his search history, and he's a young man, but he's already looking at the shit I'm looking at.
1: Oh, bless
0: his little heart! <laughs> what the fuck? And so, of course, the most embarrassing thing I could possibly do, I texted my wife saying, "Tell get because she he was with her at the time when I found it. I was like, tell him to stop looking at porn sites." <laughs> and so there's nothing worse than your mom having to tell you. Oh, no. why would you do that? <laughs> because I was like, it's he's my little boy. Like I don't want him looking at <laughs> yeah. that shit yet. It was just so embarrassing. So, you know, obviously he denied it, and then uh, he came into my, uh, came home with the wife, and I, like, confronted him, like, look, I understand that it's embarrassing, and I'm not going to harp on it, but you are way too fucking young to be looking at this shit. And if I find out again that you've been looking at it, because we get these search history reports, we see all things, if I see that shit, I will take it away. You will not have a computer. You will not have an iPad. It will be taken away. Do you understand? He's like, yes. Like, finally, you know, no, no longer fighting that he actually looked at it, just accepting, like, okay, I was caught. Yes, I will stop looking.
1: <laughs> you know what? You know what I would have told you?
0: Get your own damn porn. This is mine. <laughs> <laughs> you gave it to me. It's mine. Oh <laughs> um, uh, No, it's, like, I I understand. I will never be able to control it. So, you know, he'll, he'll do what he's going to do. But I I'm going to try. You, you know, i got to try. I too. What?
1: Why would you want to? It's porn. Well, I
0: think I don't know. Like, and this is another thing where you know peop—people younger and younger nowadays are getting involved in the things that, in my generation, it was a little bit later in their years. Statistically, I'll say. So, you know, he's about that age. So it's gonna happen. He's gonna mess around. I just I don't want to find filled up socks. Is all I'm saying. Yet.
1: Oh, well, then teach him about Kleenex.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> I just run Did across you? Kleenexes all over the house. Like, come on! <laughs> Adam, before
1: porn, were you looking at Sears catalogs and JCPenney magazines?
0: <laughs> I, <laughs> Hell's yes! More what than age that. Were you? <laughs> I looked at fucking. <laughs> my parents had subscriptions to National Geographic. Oh, I, I, was, <laughs> I was spanking it to aborigine women before I God, moved on to white women. <laughs> it was awesome.
1: Oh, you were so desperate that I did the same thing. I, was, <laughs> I remember in the Scouts, man, we were eight and nine, and they were hiding Sears catalogs and JCPenney's, and they were all taking turns with them jacking off in the Scouts.
0: <laughs> yes, oh, that's so I funny.
1: And what i want to know what everybody why every medium people older than me 30 and up who say you know when i was a kid we didn't do stuff like that bullshit bullshit <laughs> and the grandparents said the same thing and i will still say bullshit you just didn't have the same opportunities we do now and don't begrudge us because you people didn't have the technology
0: we do now you had the same true. tools you had done the same thing <laughs> that's absolutely true absolutely true um <laughs> So look at me like a kid teaching you a lesson. <laughs> oh, man. I'm just – it's going to be weird like if if he grabs one of my old Nick magazines at some point and then he sees me in it, that will fuck him up. <laughs> oh, I don't – hopefully he has the balls to come up and say, dad, what you doing in here, huh?
1: What you doing in here? Why can't I look at it but you can be in it?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's totally true.
1: <laughs> I mean, my, my parents tried to do stuff like that, but I think it was more. I mean, they were finding gay porn. I mean, what are you going to tell me? And what am I going to say to you? you don't, we don't watch the same
0: thing. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. And that's something that, like, I don't. It's going to be weird. Like, I. Okay, this is. I don't know if this is going to be fucking bigoted or what, but I'm going to say it anyway. All right. I would be less confrontational with my son if he was looking at gay porn than if he was looking at straight porn. Like, I, if he was looking at straight porn, I'd be like, you need to wait until you're ready for this mentally. You need to, you know, I, whatever I had to do to try to prolong the inevitable. If it was gay porn, I, I, I kind of feel obligated to support him in his identity. Like, and I don't know if that's because of, you know, liberal world training or whatever, but I would actually be a little bit more lenient with him.
1: Well, I have two things to say about that. One, you're
0: heterophobic.
1: <laughs> that is now, the
0: weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life.
1: <laughs> two, I mean, it's just dealing with reality. I mean, um, when you're when you're different than everybody else, and you know that naming it is going to uh, give you a lot more problems than the average teenager. Um, I mean, it's not as bad as it used to be, but it's still. I mean, it's just another thing for people to pick you, pick on you for, and it's something that you can't change. I mean, braces get removed, and glasses get sexier, and you know, weight can go away, and so can acne. But being gay is forever.
0: I and regionally, it. it's actually very dangerous still. So
1: oh, okay, so for you, it's still dangerous.
0: Um,
1: but so that, and so handling it that way, yeah, like not because if you. It, he could get, like, I don't want to say a complex that's sounding so melodramatic, but it's... Um,
0: yeah, I know what you mean.
1: Yeah, it's something extra. They, it's not just, you know, pussy and, and tits and cum. It's, this is a whole nother game.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And he probably would already feel a little bit guilty about funny and attractive. I mean, I didn't, but, you know, I'm not everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I love not the true. fact that I wasn't supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> But, it is
0: interesting to note we started at Mexican and drug cartels.
1: Well, I love
0: Mexican thugs, so this makes perfect sense. <laughs> it's an easy transition. All right. All right I'm just going to get to the point of this article before yeah. we <laughs> deviate anymore. Too late. <laughs> so the the locals of uh, Guzman's um, hometown are crazy devoted to him. He, he was sort of the... Uh, Robin Hood of his hometown even though he was a purveyor of murder and drug uh, trafficking um, and so I guess you know, we're gonna distill this down to this question you know this is a big nav for the DEA and for Mexico and do you think knowing that there are other cartels ready to step up that continuing to fight this in this way is a meaningful gesture. Do you think nabbing him, Guzman, is a meaningful gesture?
1: I guess in a symbolic way, but I think it's kind of like the locals who are laughing or the people who know better, who've been in this uh, drug war for a lot longer. Like one goes, another one comes up. Sure, we got our, we got our, you know, what's it, 12-point deer or whatever the hell it is. We got, we got our fucking guy now, but there's going to be another one. And it's going to take another 20 years to catch this one. In the meantime, that's a shit ton of money and a lot of murder and a lot of drugs that are going to still get here. My point is just legalize it all. If you want to take the power away, you have to take things off the black market.
0: And then here's the other question is that, and this is sort of the the, the point that I, I was hoping we could get to, and I'm really excited that we did. If you do legalize it, they become corporations rather than drug cartels. At least you can tax them and throw them in jail for murder. <laughs> that's... A really, really interesting point. You know, I I'm reminded of seeing a, a bunch of uh, old, you know, history shows about early corporate America. And there was a lot of murders then as well. I mean, they would use corporations would use unions against other corporations. And there was dirty infighting and uh, horrible working conditions. And I'm reminded of that when I think of legalizing drugs and that these cartels are no longer illegal and there may not be overt blood and uh, wars between them and their, their, the countries of operation. But they're you know, just like early corporations in America, it's still going to come to blood at times. So well, we, we, you know, we pretend like if legalization is the end all to all problems, but it, there's still problems associated with that.
1: Well, of course, you're just going to get a, a new ton of problems, which is, uh, it seems that we're kind of, maybe not Mexico because Mexico, Mexico is a bit behind, but the new problems will be legislation and regulation. And, um, loopholes in the law and tax breaks and things like that. It will go from blood to money, which amounts to the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It lives will still be lost. But that's you know, you're not anybody who says this will get rid of all problems, is stupid and smack them in the nuts. Don't punch them in the nuts. <laughs> smack them in the nuts because that's a lot more irritating. <laughs> and if they're a woman, uh put it in their butt because I'm sure that is far more irritating than getting kicked in the vagina. So. <laughs> oh my gosh Just try and sleep with them and slip it in their butt. They'll be a lot more pissed about that. So
0: <laughs> I'm a proponent of uh slipping in the butt. So just saying, boys. Cuz you, you, you try it, fag. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So I know a lot of girls actually who really dig it, so. Yeah. yeah. How do you know that, Adam? <laughs> well, just because they've told me. Have I've that. never done it. You've Ever. never put it in a girl's butt. i knew
1: you were never that question never once so don't answer it (laughs) i just wanted to put you on the spot
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's weird because i'm married so if i say that then obviously i out someone else
1: i know know.
0: that's the best part (laughs) all right so yeah i mean this this is a really kind of fun article they 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 finally got something to justify their fucking 30 year war on drugs they finally got one dude that's <laughs> like a big fucking fish and yet what have they really accomplished in this process absolutely not. not fucking not a goddamn thing i'm i'm with you i think we should legalize all drugs if if you are stupid enough to allow a substance like heroin to control and kill you I don't want you on the planet in the first place.
1: Yeah, good goddamn riddance. And if people want to be generous with charities and free clinics, individuals, mind you, not taxpayers, yeah. then um, that's their own goddamn problem. It's like the mother who keeps taking in her son even though he's a junk and he keeps taking her television. <laughs> you deserve it. And good riddance to your son. Let him rot and die and suffer and get AIDS and everything else that I wish upon him.
0: So yeah. <laughs> and, and, the, and the fact that there are genuinely good things that come from legalization as well as you so rightfully mentioned taxes. Can you imagine if Mexico had a portion of taxes from all of the drugs that were being fucking harvested, like smuggled across the fucking border. That would be amazing. That would be so much goddamn money. Even if they were like every other American corporation and they had tax shelters, they'd still get a portion of it. And that's a whole hell of a lot better than dead bodies. So, fuck! How is it a bad thing?
1: And it seems to a certain extent that's a way to clean up corruption. Mm -hmm. If all these uh, politicians are in on the drugs and on the cartels, well, if you legalize it, there's nowhere to hide anymore. Like what Darren and I were talking about with prostitution on the Valentine's Day massacre. There's nowhere to hide if you legalize it.
0: Yeah. Good point. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do this next one. Okay. This is fun. Oh, I so
1: want to do this in my Southern American (laughs) accent. (laughs) This is from the Liberty Voice um, by Aaron Thompson. It's posted on February 22nd. It's American flags, not American. (laughs) According to videos taken around the country, many citizens of the great USA love to show off their patriotism by ways of displaying their national flag. From their porch awnings to the car antenna, American flags ripple in the name of freedom But could it be that some of these beautiful displays of liberty are not really American? Some people feel that if an American flag is actually made somewhere else, like China, or even made with foreign ink and materials, it somehow does not hold the same value as the ones made in the United States, especially when it comes to the flags flown on military bases and government buildings such as the Pentagon. In a new rule made Friday, the government is now not allowing the Department of Defense to further purchase any more of its annual 1,200 or so flags it uses for courthouses and other government buildings around the nation, including the White House, from companies who either have the flags made outside of the U.S. or use non-American flag materials in their production. The U.S. has already had in place since 1941 something called the Berry Amendment. That does not allow the Department of Defense to purchase clothing, food, fabric, tools, and other materials from foreign sources. American flags have recently been added to that list. Congressman Mike Thompson of California wrote the, the provision and has stated that he does not believe U.S. soldiers here nor abroad should have to serve under a foreign-made flag. Some <laughs> folks <laughs> some folks are not questioning their hats, shirts, even coffee mugs. Congress- <gasps> Not my Starbucks Cup. No. <laughs> <laughs> Wondering it's they, Vente, but it's an American Vente. <laughs> that's American vouch. Wondering if they too should be made in the United States, since American flags made in China are not considered to be truly American. Others say good luck, being that China is full of luck, along with a very large amount of soon to be made American household products. I'm sorry. Soon? I know, I thought it was weird too. <laughs> Some Americans seem to think much of their money is going to China or Chinese companies due to the amount of made-in-China stickers that they are seeing. Quick side note, if you're buying a bunch of shit that says made in China, it's probably not that good and you probably shouldn't buy it. <laughs> One man told reporters, nearly everything in this country used should be made in the United States. He continues saying that in these days it is a rarity. However, according to researchers, uh, between 80 to 90% of consumers purchase Purchases made in the United States are on products made in America. In 2010, imports from China only added up to roughly 2.5% of the U.S. GDP. China is actually becoming one of the fastest growing markets for American exports, which increased over 540% in the first 11 years of the new millennium. In other words, there may be an increase of made in the United States stickers on products in Chinese households in the years to come. Now, the nation will be entering a new world of sorts. Where American flags are not Chinese, but made by American hands, <laughs> right here in the homeland. However, as of now, there are no reports of Chinese flags being made by Americans. Apparently, they <laughs> may share the same personal feelings of pride in their own country's national flag. This is an Do opinion you... by Aaron Thompson.
0: This is so funny. Do you think it matters if uh, an American flag is made by an American or a Guatemalan or a Chinese or an Asi- any Asian?
1: objective any asian (laughs) Uh, as long as darren doesn't make it Uh, (laughs) that's where i was getting (laughs) um objectively and practically that doesn't mean shit it's it's a it's it's a cloth but Mm -hmm. uh we're tribal animals identity means a great deal to us as a species uh, i mean think about our history and territories and you know, what What gang, what family, what religion, what so on and so forth do I belong to? So that does mean something, that we can't even make our own fucking symbols, especially when all over the news. I mean, my parents got their taxes back today, and we we had this long conversation. I was talking to my friends, and the taxes are terrible, and even people at work. is With everything going on economically and um, politically, this is not something that's a very nice thought. It's kind of like the afterthought. And we can't even afford to make our own fucking flags in this country. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, um, it's, I think it matters, but not in any real, I don't want to say realistic, not in any objective way, but certainly in a meaningful one.
0: Yeah. It's, it's interesting to me because I mean, growing up and, and I guess it's, I think it's more of a question of patriotism than pragmatism. Because if you're a pragmatist, then it doesn't fucking matter. And you just want the best quality for your dollar. And if that comes from China, which it wouldn't. But if it did, then it wouldn't fucking matter. You know, if it came from America or China or fucking South America or whatever. um, You just want the best value for your money. That's all. Uh, When it comes to something... That is so obviously intimately attached to an idea, one's idea of patriotism, it, it, it's like well it doesn't matter if it's a good quality or not, I have to have it made in America or else it's not really American like it's not the American flag if it wasn't fucking sewn by Betsy Ross or Betty Ross or whatever the fuck her name was
1: <laughs> now you had um, to write the first time
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, always, I always think of Golden Girls whenever I say her name I knew I that know was why. coming <laughs> <laughs> But it, you know, it is that crazy notion. Like when I, when I sit and think that, you know, whenever you're in the military and you're on base and at certain times the flag is raised and lowered, you stop your car, you get out of your car, you face the nearest flag and you salute it and you wait for the end of that process to happen. And so you're ingrained with this concept of this one symbol affects everything about my life i will die for the symbol i will go to war and kill for the symbol i will stop my car and get out of it on a road to salute this symbol if it comes across in a fucking parade or anything i will stop and i will salute it it is something that dominates the way you think as a as an american and i'm sure in other countries their their flags do as well if they're patriots and so it's it's strange to think that that symbol is made by someone that's not American or not choose your nationality.
1: Um, I'm I'm so sorry, Adam, but next time I see you, I'm going to wear American flag underwear and bend over and I'm going to see what you do. If you want, I'll even raise and lower the flag
0: for you to see what happens. <laughs> I'm half masked right now. <laughs> that's where I wanted to go with this actually. Um, Because at what point do you lose the meaning of a symbol when it's, on people's fucking shirts, when it's in their dirty-ass, unkempt homes, when it's tore up, hanging from their house because they put it up 10 years ago, but they've never taken it down or changed the flag out or anything, you know, for for a fucking decade. At what point does the symbol lose its meaning when those who are trying to champion it by having it out and open in so many different places no longer have the respect for it? And, and then contrast that with why do you fucking care where it's made? If you're just going to leave it out on your front porch for a fucking decade, or if you're going to have it spray painted on your curb, because for some reason you actually think that that's going to help fucking American soldiers over in Iraq. It doesn't fucking matter at that point, in my opinion.
1: Like, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. And it's funny because most of the people who cry loudest about this in my, um, voice God handbook. There's a whole chapter about the traditions associated and the way you, um, Deal with the flag, and our scoutmaster yeah. would have a fucking heart attack when he saw us doing something to the flag, or folding it in a in a disrespectful manner, or hanging it in a disrespectful manner. He would have our ass. Yeah. If you know, to um, I mean, even to him though, it, he he would get irritated. Never really seriously, um, but he would get irritated when on the flag it said "Made in China," and his opinion was, "Why do I have a foreign country printed?" on my national flag. And I can understand that. I think that does mean something, but I can see your point of view too. I don't really have an opinion on this because I can give a nod both ways. It's mm. it's meaningless because I can wear it on my ass. And the things on my ass that come out of my ass or go into my ass, no one's gonna salute, you know <laughs> I mean I will, but not too many other people. A nation won't. All right? Right, <laughs> so right. Yeah, you know, it's 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 like you can relate it to the people who love Satanism as an identity instead of a philosophy. It's these people who who cry the loudest about it. it's they wear it as uh, like I have Prada on my shoes. It, it's it's almost the same thing to them. You know, the American flag has become nothing but Macy's. So
0: <laughs> it's a really good point. I never even took it to that perspective at all. where you know, comparing it to to Satanism. But it's the same thing. It's a symbol and, you know, it has the meaning that you attach to it and that people are going to use that symbol uh, to benefit themselves in, in whatever way they think is appropriate. Um, that's actually really, really, really interesting and, and relevant to, to what's going on today. If you're paying attention to, um, you know, Satanism in the news, uh, you know, people mm-hmm. like to just attach that tag, hoping that it's going to either give them sympathy or uh, authority in, in their own actions or, or some relevance.
1: Right, these people are the ones who go. I'm a true patriot. I have the American flag on my T-shirt. Yeah, you you cheat your taxes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, how 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 much of a patriot? Yeah, and, and I wanted to bring that up because it does bring up a lot of questions and relevance to uh, not just patriotism, but but symbols and and the meaning that we we put onto them. And I got to be honest, you know, when it comes to um, a sigil of Baphmet, I I give a fuck where it's built. Like I I care where it's made and who made it, you know, when it comes to an American flag, I don't know what this means, but, and I don't know, you know, it's priorities be what they are. It, it doesn't fucking matter to me where it was made as long as it's of quality. And I treat it with the respect that I give it, you know what I mean? Like, that I think it deserves? Yeah, I
1: do. But it's, I don't know, I got maybe, it, because it doesn't mean as much anymore, it's saturated, it's a commercial com- uh, item, um, though it always has been, but now it's, I it's, uh, don't want to say vocally so, but I'll say it anyway, it's, it's overtly a commercial item. Yeah. Um, versus, Especially after 9-11. Oh my God, that was ridiculous. Yeah. I, when I turn on infomercials in the middle of the night when I'm bored, 9-11 commemorative plate. Built yes. from the ruffle of the towers. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm a capitalist, but damn. <laughs> really?
0: Yeah, you got that. And I love how they close this article out, you know, saying that between 80 and 90 percent of purchases made in America are from American products. And so it's the concept that we're buying just China shit is a lie. I, and we're actually shipping more to them than they are shipping to us. It's it's so amazing. I love that.
1: I love a Simpsons episode where Marge and Homer go to a warehouse uh, to like a Home Depot type of place. And Marge picks up a hammer and she goes, oh, we don't have a hammer made in the United States. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, that's sad.
0: And this is okay so you just you just touched on something that I I thought of earlier but I totally you know the way we were con- conversing there I, I forgot. I love that idea that um as a as a post-industrial nation the goal is that you no longer have to produce things yourself that you are of a stature that you can just buy them from other people. You don't have to do it yourself. It's the same thing, you know, breaking it down to your own life. You don't have to build your own house. You pay someone else to build it. You don't have to plumb your own toilet. You can, if you choose, pay someone else to do it. It's sort of this this sense of stature that, oh, well, I could do that, but I'd prefer someone else to do it. So I'm going to pay them to get it over with so I don't have to take the time. I mean, that's... In, in the capitalist fucking commercial world we live in, that's the goal. And yet when it comes to something that's attached to patriotism, we, we act like it's a bad thing, but then when we're not the ones having to do the blue-collar work, we're super happy about it. It's, but, it's this weird, like, we, we don't want to have to do the dirty work, but then we bitch when the dirty work isn't done by Americans. Well, a service
1: economy seems to be quite dangerous for, a, for an economy. But on the other hand, you don't have to have blue-collar work um, in order to produce things. It seems most blue-collar work is remnants of a union. Well, even at my job, it's the union won't let my company use machines that could replace almost, including my job. My job is irritating. A monkey could do my job. And yet <laughs> you have to have a degree to do it, which is even more insulting. I spent $30,000 on something that a monkey could do. Thank you very much. Um, But no, capitalism doesn't necessarily mean that. It's just um, it's most of these blue color jobs don't have a purpose. They're not needed. They're not necessary. And they're holding on to it because, you know, people need jobs. Did you ever think there were too many people? Mm -hmm. Not enough jobs for everybody because there's too many people. The economy isn't the problem, the jobs aren't the problem, and the technology is not the problem. There's too many of you and not enough of you are dying. That's the problem. But but patriotism, it seems, to me anyway, patriotism, like being a true Satanist, is a commitment, and I hate to make that connection, but I'm going to, is um, it's a commitment to the principles. And a commitment to the principles will show itself in the symbols. Um, like one of my friends, when he went to DC, he said he looked up in awe at, um, this, at, at, at Lincoln and Jefferson, more so Jefferson than Lincoln, but not because it, um, it was, it's a beautiful monument, but because of what it meant and the principles that communicated to him, just like when I look at a flag, I don't want to gawk at it because I know where it's made. And I know what, and I know what the, because of where it's made it's kind of it's funny to me and not just because of where it's made but because there's a conversation behind it it's it's now a joke it's it's a joke on itself the flag if i ever looked at a baphomet that way if um i'd i'd have to leave
0: <laughs> but thankfully it's a very interesting point actually
1: right it's when i look at the baphomet i know that i'm looking at something that still holds true <clears throat> in reality as it does to me yeah So, but I can't look at the flag that way. Which is, I don't care where it's made because of that. I'd probably give a shit more if I could look at it with respect, but I can't. Uh Specifically because of people like this. They make all this hoopla, and then they're the ones who leave their flag up there when it's raining. Yeah. Or fold it backwards.
0: (laughs) Cool. Well, let's, yeah, let's, let's, uh... Let's move on to militant racism but I, I fuck we could talk about this for a while and I, I love I love the the thoughts that we're sharing here <laughs> The top-hated and the low-browed. With a scarlet passion and frantic gospel, I say to you, bow in sixth style, remote and altars. Be not of love. Vindicate the truth. Let thy brothel be revelation. Then thy moans are divine wisdom. There's no salvation in the whole religion. Our dogma is their kink. With legs spread, with flesh mounted, we point out to our accusers a slut alone is no slut at all. This I say to you, my fellow eroticists. My hands are on.
1: Ah. <sighs> Welcome to militant eroticism. I'm your host, Adan Den, and this is the "Adultery is Cowardice and the Innocent Bystanders" episode, or shortly, cheating. It's <laughs> a It surprises a lot of people when I say adultery is cowardice, thinking that because I love perversity, decadence, and I do, tend to describe myself as a libertine, that I would encourage adultery. I don't. And don't confuse that with not taking advantage of situations that present themselves. My thoughts stem from knowing yourself. What you can do, what you can't do. Now, of course, mistakes happen, and I'll defend those honest mistakes people make till I no longer can. But blatant disregard for the contract you understood and signed. I will not accept as good, I won't accept as okay. If you don't have the balls to do what you want and accept the consequences of it, you're more of a coward than the man who cannot get on the airplane for fear of flying. Too often I've seen the other men or women blamed for an adulterous action, and too often do I encounter people who feel they are justified in cheating. I'm going to deal with the latter before explaining myself on the former. It could be said that a basic thought of Satanism is to know thyself, and this is what I apply here. One who enters into a relationship contract should know what they're getting into. One ought to sit down with their significant other or others and set the rules to make sure everybody knows what they're getting into. I'm very aware that this is an uncommon thing, and I don't think it is a reasonable excuse, simply because monogamy is the default, most often assumed in dating or the going steady stage. I hear excuses such as, I can't be monogamous, but I love her. Or, he doesn't satisfy me in bed. Or, what's even worse to me is, there's no romance. With this, there is. These justifications are insulting, disgusting, and irrational. The first excuse presumes that one can only have one love. That a true love can result from two people who want to completely different things. Or that adultery is some form of caring. The second is a more passive-aggressive bullshit that leads to, or is the result of, resentment. If you can't sit down with your partner and talk about your sex life, I personally think that you are a weak and cowardly person. That excuse, not being sexually satisfied, is usually followed with a, I don't want to hurt his or her feelings. If you can't speak to your lover in a way that isn't ego-threatening, here's a tip. Buy a sex manual and go through it with them. Present it as being something that gets you hot and bothered. Fucking excite them. You know, like you used to do when you gave a damn. Even better, if the contract does not satisfy you, leave it. Get rid of it, break up with them, move on. You can fall in love with more than one person. Example would be people who get married twice. Now, I don't extend this to those who are single and are involved with someone who isn't. Whether they know it or not is irrelevant. The contract the adulterer has cannot include the world and are and are therefore innocent according to the adulterer's contract. Now if the single person has their own value system or ethics that forbids that behavior, then that is a different story. So I have a friend who will not knowingly sleep with someone who's married or has a boyfriend um, and then I have another friend who just doesn't give a shit if you're willing to cheat and he likes you he'll take advantage of it. I Complete personally. I completely agree with both perspectives one has his own set of ethics where it would forbid him to do something like that He thinks it's wrong And the other one is just like well, I didn't promise anybody shit The only thing I promised somebody was um safe sex Like well, I that's that sounds great to me. <laughs> <sighs> but the point is that no one can hold the other accountable in any meaningful way. If your friend slept with your boyfriend, you can consider them a bad friend, you can dislike them, not trust them, etc. That I can understand, because your friend did promise you something. But if it was a stranger or something along those lines Don't go up to their house and blame them for something that they did not do to you. Your partner is the person who promised you something. Your partner is the one whose name is on the dotted line. Your partner is the one who stuck their dick in something else or put their pussy in place it shouldn't be. They cheated. And now, another tip, a warning to those who get a kick out of sleeping with those who are taken. Be prepared for the possible consequences. You will eventually have to deal with them. I have, and so will you. Now, I I mentioned earlier about honest mistakes. I'm gonna touch on it. I don't understand the extreme amount of importance people put on fidelity. I just don't get it. This could just be me, and I'm I'm, I'm projecting a bit, but I just can't do it. Anyone can slip, anybody can make a mistake. From a kiss to fucking, though I can understand that the fucking requires a bit of dismissal about one's relationships. But we drink, some people smoke pot, it happens. Um, Sometimes a heat of the moment thing. But still, if the worst part of your fantastic partner or lover has done is cheated once, you really think it's worth losing someone you care so deeply about and who is honestly sorry? especially if they were completely forthright and it wasn't an ongoing affair. If they got too drunk tonight, they're out with their buddies and got a blowjob in the back of a club. Really? That one little slip after a few years of a fantastic relationship will damn everything? Perhaps you two will discover relationship problems that could be fixed. Maybe this is a, a catalyst to discuss deeper problems and this is a a way of resentment uh, bubbling up and coming out (laughs) coming (laughs) but the only thing that i think that should be a condition of the forgiveness if someone cheated is just go to the clinic get a test just to make sure no comes enough dismiss their adultery as well everybody else is doing those are usually the ones you have to worry about The one-off people where they have a slip usually don't because they're not doing something dangerous. But the people who build up the resentment and have ongoing affairs, those are typically the ones who will go to a prostitute or the slut in the trailer park. Um, And they're so used to probably barebacking with their significant other that they just don't even bother to put on a condom. But my point in all this is, Before you agree to something that demands a specific behavior for an extended period of time, make sure you're able to do it. Evaluate yourself honestly. If you cannot be monogamous or if the sex is lacking, discuss these things. After all, what's worse that can happen? I promise you it's not as bad as a divorce in California. (laughs) Always remember, comrades, keep your skirts up, your pants down, and no matter who bends over, don't be a pussy. Just take advantage of them. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well done man oh okay. <laughs> god it's weird like the, the whole adultery thing It, it when you're <clears throat> when you're in a relationship for a long time it's impossible as a human being I think not to fantasize Um, I was coached early on that fantasy is always 100% better than reality mm-hmm. and so you know you, you may think about cheating and you may you know be close to cheating but realize that it's it's one moment and it's not going to be as good as you built it up to be and it's probably not worth the relationship you know sacrificing the relationship for that experience um in you know and, and for someone that's been married as long as i have it you know it's weird you know you run across these wonderful individuals from time to time who you would love to share intimacy with uh you know just raw sexual energy at times Mm -hmm. Um, and it's hard to it's hard to find a problem with that outside of your partner's opinion but if you're partnered with someone then their opinion should fucking dramatically matter and you should take that into serious consideration because it's not just about you anymore and that's, you know, speaking to what you're speaking to, Aden, in this is that, uh, as I took it, if if you're willing to go into a relationship and say that you're going to be faithful, well, you, motherfucker, step up, know what you're getting into, and know what that means before you do it. Because if you don't, then it's going to be, you know, a lot of fucking pain for, for someone here, you know, either your pocketbook or for the other fucking person, yeah. uh, if it does break up. But then also is is a moment of of um slipping or a, a moment of uh giving in to the the moment worth losing everything you know for, for so you know if you find out that your 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 other half did end up cheating and if it was just a, a one moment it's going to be fucking hard to get through it's going to be goddamn difficult but is it worth throwing everything away for i don't and and I don't know, I mean, do you think, uh, Aden, that, and I don't know if it even matters throwing in the fucking word modern, but do you think that that matters in relationships? Cheating? In and of itself? Yeah, or, or
1: you know. I, I think it you, still does. But, I don't know, relationships are so weird now, it's everybody claims monogamy and no one's doing it. It's very rare I meet real monogamous couples. The um, more often than not, they're both cheating on each other, and they both think the other's oblivious, or they both think the other one's being faithful. Um, I think no, I think cheating still matters. Um, how, how do I put this? It's I just don't understand why. I've met couples where you know the woman cheated and the man just he couldn't handle it that another man had been in his wife. Yeah. And he divorced her and split everything. And I'm like, dude, what the hell is wrong with you? You worship the ground this woman walked on. And he goes, yeah, but she cheated. I'm like, okay. Did you get anything? No. Did she admit to it? Yes. Was it an affair? No. Well, what happened? She got drunk at a, a, at a party. All right. So she got drunk at a party and slept with a man that she was attracted to. Yeah. And you sold the house and now the kids have to shuffle back and forth and you're nearly broke from the lawyers. You're telling me that because at most eight inches was in your wife, you had to just ruin yourself. <laughs> and then I, Add insult to injury, man. <laughs> and then the other, and then another couple is, um, uh, well, I, I this probably counts for something. It was a gay couple is, uh, Shit, what was it? Guy cheated. His boyfriend the guy was cheating. His boyfriend walked in, and instead of flipping out, he joined in. Now they have an open relationship. They sat after that night was over. At first they said, Okay, we had a slip. Monogamy only. And then they asked me about it, and I'm like, oh come on, boys. Really? <laughs> <laughs> this is an opportunity to change things in your favor. <laughs> How about you guys Good. sit down, agree to rules that you both are very comfortable with, and try it again. Relationships, you're not going to figure everything out as soon as you meet. It takes some experimentation. That's why I think it should be a lot easier to forgive in a relationship. I mean, sure, some things are unforgivable, but cheating, really? Really, that, that's, what's, that's an unforgivable thing? Not stealing your money?
0: <laughs> yeah, really. Not,
1: You know, not sneaking away to do a lot of coke,
0: not not abusing the
1: kids. That's not that's not unforgivable. But you know, putting a dick in you—that is
0: really. (laughs) I think a lot of it has to do with ego. You know, one, you know, you don't. There's a sense of ownership when you're in a relationship, and and it's weird. And I don't I don't entirely agree with it, but I definitely understand it yeah it a sense of ownership so how dare someone else try to you know take advantage of this person that you have devoted so much goddamn time to and then there's the aspect of well, I've passed up so much of the other person, you know, the other sex. Why the fuck do you get to, you know, have this up, op- you know, and and why would you be so weak to, to go along with it this one? So there's a bit of like, you know, I'm jealous. Why the fuck do you get to, but I don't get to. And that's where um, the interesting conversation comes in. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's, it, it certainly is a slippery slope and, and the value of relationship is very much an individual thing and, and certainly circumstantial. Um, but it does come down to some really, really touchy subjects, and I think one of them also has to do with, and, and it was illustrated really uh, wonderfully in uh, some really great fucking gangster movies where, well, I would never do that with my wife, but I would do that with my guma. You know, I, I would do that with my, my, uh, my, my slut, my whore, you know, the oh, woman yeah. that I'm seeing, the Number girl on the ta- side. The Madonna complex this is my wife this is the mother of my children that's more the reason to do it yeah and so you know because I would never do that with my wife I have to do it so I should just do it with some other woman it's it's this weird thought that you have to put this woman on a pedestal or or your, your partner in whatever relationship you're in on a pedestal and It has more, I think, to do with you not being honest about what you like. And I think you touched on this in your your, um, essay as well, uh, delivering it. Have a conversation with them. If you like a finger in your ass, fucking tell them. And there may be some embarrassment. There may be some hijinks in experimenting. There may be some really embarrassing moments. But if that's what gets you off, you better fucking share that. Otherwise you're going to go looking for something else or they're going to go looking for something else because you're not being honest or, you know, and and maybe even it comes down to a situation where if you're not willing to share yourself with them, your true desires, maybe you shouldn't fucking be with them. And rather than hurting them, just fucking be honest about it.
1: And you can boil down almost everything I say in these, in these kinds of episodes to two things. Life is too short to not be happy and if this is the most important to you, uh, most important person to you, act like it. Yeah. Yeah. Treat it with some respect and tell them who you are and tell them what you like. The worst that can happen is you won't have them. And I promise you there will be another one. There's an odd number of people in the world. Someone's going to be left out. And chances are it's going to be someone fat and ugly. <laughs> now, if you're fat and ugly, well, then I'm sorry. But <laughs> oh, no. No, it'll probably some, be some 16-year-old dying of AIDS in Africa. But <laughs> <laughs> what? but the point is... This just took a is, turn. <laughs> life is short. Cheat. <laughs> no, no, that's not it.
0: it. It really... Which is the exact cheating, <laughs> cheating
1: really, it just, it really gets me, and I don't know why. I've been the other man several times, and... As far as I know, only one man is cheating on me, but we were in high school. Well, cheating in relationships had no actual meaning, you know?
0: Yeah, <laughs> so, high school, you can't count anything. Like yeah,
1: that. I mean, I had three boyfriends in high school, but it's like holding hands and going out to dinner and doing what you can do at your parents' house. Yeah, that's not a real relationship. Yeah. But it's... Uh, it's, I just I, I never understood seeing, seeing what my guy friends have gone through when they had a slip and then how worried they get because they care so much about the woman and how scared they are of what the woman will do. And then seeing the women freak the hell out, be, not yeah. beat the shit out of her man who cheated and is proud of it, but beat the crap out of the other woman. And then it becomes um, like, well, I'm better in bed than you, bitch. Like, what does that have to do with
0: anything? <laughs> is that a weird sense of ownership. Like the guy can't help himself, so we expect that behavior. And so it's not the guy's fault anymore. <laughs> like, Let's take a little ownership.
1: And this, it's, that's com- it's completely ridiculous. And I get the whole thing about ownership. Like I like when I'm dating a man and he grabs my ass and says, that's mine. I like that. That's nice. And I like grabbing my bottom's butt and saying the same thing. That is mine. Well, it's mine tonight. That's what I can't yeah. say. It's mine tonight because it'll probably be someone else's later. But it's mine now. It's, <laughs> mine when, yeah, it's mine when I want it. And that's what makes me feel even more empowered. I want it. And it's mine when I want it.
0: Yeah. Now, when I don't want it, I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's power. Yeah, man. Sex is so wrapped up in ego. It's really, really hard but it's misplaced, don't you think? I mean, I'd rather have a
1: guy come to me and say, you know, I'm in the mood for really good head and my other guy just can't do it as good as you. I'm like, oh, that's nice. That's so sweet. That's better than flowers. <laughs> <Very much. laughs> I'd rather have that kind of be I'd rather be good than own you. You know, I yeah. come, come to me with a sincere desire. Want me because I do something nice. Or do something good, not because I agreed to some flimsy contract that no one believes in anymore.
0: That's, that's a good point, and that, I mean, that that notion is very challenging for all of us married people, <laughs> because we understand it, and, uh, like, completely, and uh, you know, we sort of have to rationalize and justify our own behaviors, uh, at, you know, that withstanding, so interesting good good discussion man and and i think uh if we weren't so pressed for goddamn time we're like running way late it it would be uh it'd be a really good conversation to continue having but i suspect we'll have similar conversations in the future and other militant eroticisms. so probably i love adultery (laughs) (laughs) well thank you very much for that where can people find you online um, on Facebook,
1: just type in militant eroticism or go to nonsense.com and go under, what is it? Um,
0: segments. Well, dot com oh. is like some crazy Asian website. Ooh, let's talk about that one. <laughs>
1: <So laughs> com and you can go, go to segments, click on militant eroticism. And there I am in all my phallic glory. <laughs> all point, Again, all 2.25 inches
0: of it. <laughs> lies uh, I do want to reiterate the live episode shooting your questions uh, let us know what you want to talk about or tune in live and ask them yourself I really appreciate all of you who have tuned in live for the shows that we've done so far it's always been a lot of fun thank you for that alright guys that's going to do it for another show though so I hope you guys and gals yeah you in the yoga pose I know you're, you're laughing your ass off uh, we would love to hear from you. Visit the website nine dot and send your correspondence to info at ninecentspodcast dot com. Let us know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. You can visit the Satan Net Facebook, Google Plus, Twitter, or MySpace page for Nine Cents and get updated on weekly topics. Download the show Monday mornings via my RSS feed found at 9 dot com. We're also on Last.fm, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube, so look for us there. You can subscribe to Nine Cents via iTunes by searching Nine Cents, and don't forget to leave a rating and a comment. For some reason, some people's email has been filtering in late, so I've gotten some really, like, wildly out-of-date email, like, like, GoDaddy had, had like, an outage, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, and so I'm still getting email filtering in from that, so if you sent me something, just know that I will respond, it may just take a little bit of time for, for GoDaddy to get their shit together, um, alright, and if you want to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com, remember, share nine cents there is a handful of you solid nine cents fans that go above and beyond uh, like and share every single goddamn thing that we do and thank you very very much for that Uh, for those of you who aren't diehard fans that tune in from time to time and may be listening to this very episode consider sharing nine cents with your friends consider sharing it with those who may not be aware of, one, the show, or two, Satanism, and understand that it's not just some retarded bitch in Alaska killing people. It's actually real-world people with authority and power exercising thus in their lives. Do everyone a favor. Share nine cents. Once again, thank you for joining me and uh, my pal here, Aden. And as always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell, being joined by... Aden or Aden. I don't know why I doubled down on that too, because I already like said me and you, and then I said it again. That's kind of weird. Oh, no.
1: that's fine.
0: Either <laughs> <laughs> way. Until next week. Hail Satan.
1: Hail Satan.